0: Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is August 23rd, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is outcast. Now, this message is a little bit different because I had the opportunity to minister in a church in Juarez, Mexico, and I used this message and word outcast to the congregation there. And in doing so, I only used two of the normal scripture passages. And so today when I share, I'm going to again use the same two passages and attempt to share in a segmented way the sermon or the message that I gave in Juarez. So as we begin, let me start with my traditional questions to you. What does it take to see God at work in your life? Do you feel like you're on the outside looking in? Do you feel like God's mercy or God working in your life is dependent upon the circumstances around you? Or maybe... You'd feel dependent upon your religious status. In other words, did you do your religious activity that would bring God to your behalf? You see, we need to really ponder, I think, some of these questions. Because there is this religious system. It, it began with the fall. It happened with, with Eve. Eve. She was told she could be like God if she would just eat this forbidden fruit. And so there's this thing with the enemy rehashing a type of religious or man-centered worship. And it traps and enslaves our minds. That's what a stronghold is. It's It's an enslavement of our mind. And in our walk with the Lord, He's constantly attempting to free us from this entrapment that came from the fall. He's continually bringing deliverance, and that's why it's important for us to be in the Word of God, because the Word of God helps to literally clean our minds from this entrapment. And yet, so many of us, we feel like spiritual acts. Outsiders, like we want God to move in our lives, we see testimonies, we see God moving in other people's lives, and or in in the church or in other places, and but we feel like we're on that outside looking in, and we wonder why can't God move in my life like that? So today we're going to look at two scripture passages, and I will. Go back and forth between the two a little bit. I'm going to read one of them all the way through, and then I'll I'll reference it with the second one. So if you're listening and you're looking at a Bible at the same time, you might want to put your finger or some type of bookmark in there so you can flip back and forth. If you're just listening, I want you to understand that we will be jumping back and forth between those two passages. But today, let's begin with Matthew chapter 15. Verses 21 through 28. It reads, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So here we go. A very well-known story of Jesus and a Canaanite woman. I know many people had heard this story before in the church I was ministering to. But I was ministering prophetically, and of course things came up that were, that were new. And as I ministered to it, I said, you know, this is the story of the outcast, the woman from Canaan was an outcast. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a minute. But notice it says that Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And the Canaanite woman, she came to him crying out she had a daughter that was demon-possessed. Now, the first thing that really jumped out at me at this moment was you realize that it's in Ezekiel chapter 28 that Ezekiel is prophesying, and he pulls out a prophecy against the king of Tyre and Sidon. Now, before this, he prophesied to the prince of Tyre and Sidon, and it was a man. When he got to the king, he began talking about the cherub that was in the Garden of Eden that was with God in the beginning. This is not a man, king. This is Satan himself. And he gives a vivid description of what Satan is like physically, descriptively, and about his fall in Ezekiel 28. And it refers to him as the king of Tyre. So, in other words, at this time of the prophecy, Satan was being Satan, but he was also serving as the principality of Tyre and Sidon. He was there ruling his kingdom, but he was there in those places at that time. And so Jesus is going into the region of, that literally Satan had held as a principality. Let's just think about this. And the woman is from there, and then we wonder why her daughter is possessed. I don't think this is just coincidence about these scriptures and about these things. There's something to this. This woman had been living not only as a Canaanite, as a heathen, but under the direct domain of Satan himself. And her child is possessed, and she comes to Jesus saying, Lord, have mercy on me. My daughter is possessed. But Jesus did not answer her in a word. That's the next, the next verse, verse 23. But he answered her, not a word. Her disciples are like, send her away. She's crying after us. And then Jesus says, but I came here for the lost sheep from the house of Israel. But she continues saying, Lord, Lord, help me. And then Jesus does something which is today pretty bad. Matter of fact, Jesus is offensive because when he says it's not good to take children's bread and throw it to little dogs, he was calling this Canaanite woman a dog. It was a racial slur that the Jews used on Gentiles, Samaritans, Canaanites it was a racial slur and it was very offensive. And one thing you can know about Jesus when you read the gospels is the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people of the day, the people with these religious mindsets were always being offended by Jesus. Jesus always was offending them. And suddenly Jesus turns to this woman in this in this moment And he offends her. Now, we're living in a day right now where, to use a racial slur, would be bad. I mean, it would be definitely ministry ending. But you don't have to be in the ministry. You can be in many, many different professions. If you use something like that in this very progressive culture, they are going to attack you and cancel you. And so the idea that Jesus would do something that offensive, I mean, he's supposed to be the God of love. He's supposed to be the God of acceptance. Why is he being so offensive? Well, number one, sometimes the truth is offensive. And he wasn't using the slur as a put down to her character. He was stating a truth. That as an outsider, he didn't come for her, and technically, in God's eyes, we're all enemies of God. We're all he could he could call us all names because we are all deserving of those names. I mean, we are all garbage in comparison to the glory of God. That's His mercy to come down here and walk amongst us. But you see. He was testing her because, you see, when Jesus offended the Pharisees, they always got defensive and fought back. But notice she doesn't get defensive and fight back. She says, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. See, she humbled herself, and then she did something truly remarkable. You see, there's only one thing that pleases God. There's only one thing that you and I can do to please God. Hebrews, book of Hebrews talks about that. Chapter 11, faith. Faith is the only thing that pleases God. When we put our faith in him, when Abraham put his faith in God, he was justified. He was made righteous before God, not because of his works, but because of his faith. And Jesus says to her in this moment, Woman, how great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And suddenly her daughter was healed. As a Canaanite, as a Gentile woman, who the Messiah has not come to free and bring salvation to Gentiles. Not at this moment. At this moment, he's there to serve his his witness. He's coming to the Jews to fulfill Prophecy and a promise. He's coming to the Jewish people and it is up to them to receive or reject him. That is their moment. And yet, because of her faith, he deviates from this portion. But yet, he's in the region of Tyre and Sidon. I could comment more on this, but let's get into our next scripture. Isaiah 56 verses 1 through 8. It reads, thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing evil. Now I know I usually read all these at once and go back and comment, but I'm going to read and comment as I go through this and reference back to Matthew here. And as I was ministering in this church, I I stopped here because this is a prophetic word. Isaiah is prophesying. This is a prophetic word. Yes, it's about the Messiah, but this prophecy is going down, not just to the Messiah, but into the future, into, to down to you and me. And should someone be here a hundred years later, it will be speaking the same to them. It's a prophetic word that goes forward about Jesus, but into the future keep justice and do righteous salvation is about to come salvation as you are listening is coming to you the righteousness of jesus is about to be revealed and this is blessed is the man who does this this is you and i you know what is it that we're supposed to do to be blessed keep justice do righteousness we need to lay hold of it now of course Says the Son of Man who lays hold of it. Jesus did lay hold of it, and salvation came to us because of that. But we could be blessed if we could grab hold of it. It says, who keeps from defiling the Sabbaths and keeps his hand from doing any, any evil? We could be blessed if we did these things. We could. Let's continue. Verse three. Do not let the son of a foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people, nor let the eunuch say, Here I am a dry tree. Now, let me stop right there and let's put some things in perspective, because we're talking about the law. And when the Israelites had gone down into Egypt, and they lived in Egypt for that long period of time, and Moses came to bring them out. These people have been living among pagans, and they no longer knew right from wrong. They believed evil was good and good was evil. It's the same thing we're seeing today in our society, and the changing very quickly, where the world wants to tell you evil is good, and all the good that you knew was evil. And they're trying to flip everything Upside down. And this is what the, the Israelites that had been living in Egypt. And Egypt is very symbolic with the world. When you live in the world, it will turn your thinking upside down. You no longer know what is right and wrong. And the children of Israel were that way. What's, what's truth? They didn't know what truth was. So God gave them the law. Because the law was going to tell them this is right and this is wrong. If you do right, you're blessed. If you do wrong, you suffer curse. You suffer wrath. You suffer punishment. Now, of course, we know that no one can keep the law. The law was there to teach us that none of us are righteous. None of us are good. None of us can keep it. Okay? But let's keep this in mind. I'm giving you this, this explanation because we need to understand the religious mindset that traps you, me, and other people. We want to become performance-based. We want to be like Cain and Abel. Cain brought his offering from the field. It was the work of his hands. Abel just sacrificed a lamb. He didn't offer any works. He, He used the blood of a life to give to the Lord. The Lord received Abel's. He rejected Cain's. God rejects the work of our hands because... We can't keep justice and do righteous. Okay, we can't do that. Now, I say all this because this passage right here talks about the foreigner and the eunuch. In the law, a foreigner could not enter in to the to the holy place. He could enter into the house of the Lord. That's why they had the court of the Gentiles. If a Gentile converted to Judaism, he could enter the court of the Gentiles. But he was a foreigner. He could not enter into the house of the Lord for prayers, petitions, things like that. Not like a normal Israelite could. He was, he was outside of that. If a man was a eunuch, he and of course a eunuch is you know, snip, snip, you can no longer have children because you had something removed. That's as far as I'm gonna go with that discussion. But you could not enter into the house of the Lord. It was the same thing if you were born with a deformity. You could not enter into the house of the Lord. I know that sounds terrible. You're like one, but you were born that way. Doesn't God love you? Only something perfect can enter into the house of the Lord. Again, the law is supposed to show us that we're none of us are perfect. But this religious mindset we begin making excuses. But this prophetic word is directly speaking to foreigners, to eunuchs. These are people that are outsiders. They're outsiders. They can only look in and wish. You know, the same was true with the lepers of Jesus' day. Once they caught that disease, they were outcasts. They could no longer enter the house of the Lord. They weren't even allowed in the city, even though they would they would sneak in. But when someone saw them, they'd start screaming, unclean, unclean, and they'd run you out of town. That you were you were an outsider. You could only watch from afar. Let's continue this passage in Isaiah fifty six verse four. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my sabbaths, and choose what pleases me, and hold fast to my covenant. Even so, to them I will give my house, and within my walls a place and a name better than that of the sons and daughters, and I will give them everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain. I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Lord God who gathers the outcast of Israel says, Yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Powerful prophetic word here. And again, this is a prophecy in the Old Testament, in the law days. And yet we're hearing the prophetic message of not just Jesus and the coming salvation, but of the heart of God to lost people. Outcasts who are not, quote-unquote, of the the Jewish bloodline, who are not, quote, perfect in their ways. To the eunuchs, to the foreigners, to you outcasts who have been cut off, God says... I like that. If you choose what pleases me, what pleases God, faith. Faith is the only thing that pleases God. And those references to holding the covenant and keeping his Sabbaths and and, and in his in his covenants. But what pleases him is faith. Let's go back to this Canaanite woman. She was an outsider. She was a foreigner. She would have very happily done what she could to keep a Sabbath and follow what the Lord was telling her to do. She would have gladly done all those things. But even if she would have done it, it wouldn't have been good enough she's still an outsider because she's a Canaanite. But what pleases God? Faith. As Jesus says, Oh woman, what great faith. See, this passage in Isaiah, it reeks of, you know what? If you want to put your faith And follow the Lord. Like Jesus says, you want to be my disciple? Pick up your cross and follow me. Matter of fact, that passage there in verse 6 says, everyone who keeps. I love that. It's not just foreigners, not just eunuchs. Anybody. Anybody that suddenly wants to put your faith and just follow whatever the Lord is telling you to do. It says what? He'll give you a new name. He'll bring you into his house. And I love it. He, he talks about you'll be in my house of prayer. See, he's talking about you can enter in past the courts, not just of a religious temple they had in Jerusalem. He was talking about spiritually in his presence, in eternity, in heaven. This famous verse here, For I shall call my house a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus quotes that when he walks in and he sees the Pharisees and the the, the money changers, they're selling stuff in the temple and he throws throws the table and tears the whips and drives them out. And he says, my house should be called a house of prayer. And I've listened to people teach on this and they talk about the prayer aspect. But the house of prayer is to bring in the outcast. It's about bringing in the outcast so that they can have communion and fellowship with the Lord. He says, I will gather in him others besides those who are gathered to him. This is the Lord breaking through religious barriers and speaking to those of you that feel like outcasts. So today, I ask you, do you feel like an outcast? Do you feel like you're on the outside looking in? Listen, prophetically, the message is still the same. Jesus is speaking to you. And he's saying you don't have to be on the outside if you will be bold, if you will exercise your faith. You see, faith is believing, but it's believing in action. See, salvation is, Romans, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, then we shall be saved. So, what Romans says. But you see, we can't just believe James James says even even the demons believe they're not saved. Faith is more than just that. Faith is your belief in action. When you believe in your heart and then you confess, see that's an action. Your belief in your heart is suddenly moved into action. You have to you're, you're speaking it out now. It's the same way with this woman. She's. In the kingdom of Satan, Tyre and Sidon, and her daughter is possessed. She can't do anything about it. And she comes to the Lord in mercy and she humbles herself. And she doesn't allow the truth to offend her. Yes, she's a Gentile. Yes, she's even a dog. She She's not here to be, I'm offended you call me that. She She no longer cares. Her faith is in that if she will grab a hold of Jesus he will do he will save her he will save her daughter and and what happens is that when she does this he says how great is your f-? and her daughter was immediately freed that very hour see sometimes we just need to look at the truth sometimes the lord speaks to you and i in very hard truth sometimes we in our actions have done things to cause terrible circumstances to come down upon us we make stupid decisions we make mistakes We commit sins. What we need to do is when Jesus and the Spirit of God say, you've done this, instead of being offended, we need to say, Lord, have mercy. And cling to him by faith so that he can free us and heal us. Because you see, that's ultimately his heart. His heart is that we would respond in faith. Not like the Pharisees and be religious and get defensive and try to justify ourselves on how we're righteous. No, we should come before him in faith saying, Lord, I need you. Yes, God, I've done things that were not smart. I've done things that are not great, but I need you. And we can understand that the Lord is going to make us no longer outcast. You don't have to be on the outside looking in. You can enter in and be friends with him. Be family with Him. You can be on the inside. You can receive the miracle you need today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, Lord, that you're speaking this word to us. Father, I pray for those listening, God, that I feel like they're outsiders, they're outcasts. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that regardless of the circumstances, I pray today that they would reach out in faith and that, Lord, that you would fill their hearts with your love and your mercy, God, that you'd bring forgiveness cleansing, deliverance, God. The Father, that you would move in power in miracles, God, to help bring them through these situations, God. Lord, I thank you that you're bigger than our mistakes and you're bigger than our sin, God, that you can not only forgive it, but you can restore and you can correct and you can fix these things in our messed up lives. God, I thank you and I ask you to do that powerfully right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we thank you for listening to this podcast. You can listen to other teachings from our website at www.christianimpact.net. Feel free to drop us a communication line. Let us know uh, how these messages are ministering to you. And until next time, God bless.